Hey guys, if you enjoy this episode, please support this podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. Hi, my name is John and I like to party. <laughs> Can you imagine me in a club? Uh, excuse me, I, I think someone's dad is here to pick up someone. Not quite my style, but just like any of you, I enjoy a great story, especially if that story includes a full string of Christmas lights, a bottle of the finest champagne, and of course, a quote, trailer park tranny from Austin, Texas. And yes, my friends, those Christmas lights are shining brightly. This absolutely unbelievable but totes true story is as freaking outrageous as it is fabulous. So grab yourself a pink raspberry Cosmo, lace up your platforms, and enjoy the ride. I'm definitely going to get some Facebook comments about that one right there. That was the Freeze Dance by the Kaboomers, the kids' music channel on YouTube. You can find them there. And it's actually relevant to tonight's story in no way whatsoever, and I apologize. So enough with my shenanigans. Let's get on with today's episode. And I have the coronavirus. Just kidding. I kind of was afraid I did have the coronavirus, though, because I was on a plane. Yeah. I was like, what if I sat next to somebody who traveled who has it, you know? Traveled to China? But don't worry. It's, it's everywhere. It's not the coronavirus. It's just the flu. Just the regular flu. Yeah, but which that the flu, flu is, is fucking deadly. killing people. Yeah, this, you have strain A? Yeah. We're glad to have you back, Nicole. <laughs> Thanks. So what are you guys drinking tonight while I'm drinking my ginger ale and feeling like I'm going to die? Yes. Um. So the hint that, that John gave us was Andy Warhol. Um, and I associated that with the pop art movement. And so we're drinking Midori Sours because like they're bright green, which kind of reminded me of the pop art movement. They look like Mountain Dew. No, I don't want to taste that. No, I was going to say you can taste it. And then I remembered that you had the flu. Yeah. Not just like you have the flu. Ha ha. No, like you actually have the flu. I legitimately have the flu. So, I mean, no, please taste it. I could, I could stand to lose a few times. I'm telling you. I haven't lost anything, unfortunately. Although maybe after today I have. My voice sounds terrible. All right, Nicole, Miss Coronavirus. Yes. Where are we going? Who are we killing? I believe. And don't say Andy Warhol, even though he was murdered. Mm. Uh, was he? I thought he w- killed himself. No, he actually died of, and I, I want to do this story eventually. He died of gallbladder surgery. But it was inflicted like nine years earlier from someone that shot him in the stomach. Damn it. That was going to be my guess was the story about the lady who who shot Andy Warhol. I think the episode is takes place in New York. And I'm going to say 1994. 
And I believe that this is like an art heist story. Ooh. And like someone, yes, someone gets shot when they're trying to steal an Andy Warhol painting. Ooh. Who the fuck wants to steal Andy Warhol painting? Talk about the worst artist that has ever existed I in like the fucking Andy world. I think it's cool. I think it's shit. I mean, he's no Van Gogh, but that's cool. I, I like, like no, I Van like, Gogh sucks. What are you talking about? I don't like, even go there oh. with me. I like the apps where you can turn yourself into an Andy Warhol painting. Or like, you know, the, the dog, dog, dog the, pictures. The dog pictures. Oh, you know, Shep Ferry has a an app. Does he really? Yeah. It's oh, a, really? It's a... Um, augmented reality app where you can walk through his gallery mm-hmm. oh that's cool okay so i'm gonna go with my gut i'm gonna say los angeles in the 70s and i think the story may not actually be about andy warhol being shot but i think it does have to do with the woman who the, the woman who shot him and her her association with a cult oh all right well let me read you guys what i wrote on facebook because everyone else guessed too did anyone get it right uh no. Oh, interesting. I think it was too hard, and we did not see the hint on Facebook because today. last he told us not to. The last hint was too easy, and everyone got it. So I put, "Hey guys, we're recording tonight for tomorrow's new episode, and I was wondering if anyone can guess this story. The story is well superficial and highly inappropriate. It was suggested by our Encyclopedia of True Crime Stories, Savannah. Mm. So I won't drag this hint out or make it too." Fabulous. I'll simply sum up the killer with a quote from a famous artist. Quote, don't pay any attention to what they write about you. Just measure it in inches. End quote. That's from Andy Warhol. So no one got it right. So no one gets the um, surprise shot tonight. Sorry, guys. I'm dedicating this surprise shot to the Gillises who we ran into at the World Beers Festival. Some of our tacos that we saw at the Columbia show. So thanks, guys, for... Um, coming out and loved hanging out with you on Saturday. Surprise shots, surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. 99 butterscotch. Oh, fuck. I liked that. Not good. Was that right? No. Oh. This is Ram's Point peanut butter whiskey i liked that a lot actually. from kentucky this whiskey has the sweet and salty taste of peanut butter combined with premium whiskey pour this one on the rocks or combine it in a drink for a fun cocktail a real crowd pleaser that's <laughs> ram's point ram it up your ass <laughs> I feel like that's not part of their marketing, yeah. but I liked it. <laughs> that was delicious. Ooh, very like interesting. It. it has it. The after the aftertaste is it's familiar, and I can't put my finger on it. What it tastes it's like? Peanut butter whiskey. I know it's peanut butter whiskey, but it tastes it's. I can't put my finger on exactly what it is that it tastes like. It's it's very good though. I liked it a oh, lot. Sweet. Tonight we are going to New York City, the good Big job, Apple, Nicole. and we're actually going to. Around that time, 1996, actually. Whoa, good job, Nicole. Nailed it. All right, we're going to March 17th, 1996. St. <gasps> Patty's Day. Is that St. Patty's Day? Yeah, it's the most important day of the year. We're in the... After Jen Collins Appreciation Day. We're in Riverbank section in New York in um, Riverbank West, an apartment there. The killer's apartment, actually. Ooh. And so how I'm going to do this story is I'm not going to tell you really how the story ends 
I'm going to tell you a little bit about the murder, and then I'm going to go into the backstory because it's very important with this story. And then we're going to jump back at the very end and talk about how they, two killers, disposed of this person. Hmm. And then we're going to finish up like that. So I'm going to do a little teaser. All right. So we're going to Sunday, March 16th, 1996. We're in the home of the killer, Michael Alleg. A-L-I-G. You guys heard of him? No. Okay. So we're in his apartment that he shares with another guy. This other guy, his name is Riggs, but everyone calls him Freeze. Okay. Like, you know, Freeze. How do you spell Freeze? F-R-E-E. Yeah. So I'm going to call him Freeze from now on. So Freeze actually walks into his apartment, you know, from doing whatever he was doing. This is a Sunday night. And he hears Michael, his roommate arguing with somebody he doesn't know who it is because freeze and michael share this apartment together in new york city so someone is at his apartment and it's not arguing like you know screw you man give me my money all that stuff it's arguing like i'm gonna kill you they're in the heat of the moment michael is on his back and he's getting choked out by this guy now his name is angel melendez that's his name. He is actually a drug dealer. Okay. Okay. So the drug dealer, and I'm going to get to the backstory later, but the drug dealer comes to the house because Michael owes him money. And when Freeze walks in, the drug dealer is literally in the process of killing Michael. Okay. And he would have killed Michael if Freeze, his roommate, didn't walk in and stop it. Okay. So basically he walks in and he's like, Michael, what's going on? He opens up Michael's bedroom door and there they are on the floor. He's like right next to the wall. And this guy, Angel, the drug dealer, is slamming Michael's head into the the floor. Damn. Boom, 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 boom. And all Michael says is, help me. Help me. Get this fucking asshole off of me. Ouch. As someone who's like had multiple head injuries, I can't even like think about that without getting some sort of pain. So immediately freeze finds the first thing he can to use as a weapon. And in these stories, it's always a hammer, right? Go back to um, Giovanni Versace's story. Oh, yeah. yeah it's always a hammer that mm. you grab the first time, right? I don't know why. Anyway, this is actually the confession that Freeze made after they got caught. And we're going to read from this. On a Sunday in March, I was at home in my bedroom with a friend. In the other bedroom, Michael and Angel Melendez were loudly arguing. I, at one point, heard a little crash like a glass breaking. Then I heard the argument, progressing and getting louder. I opened the door to the room and started towards the other bedroom. For I stopped just outside the bedroom door, at which point Michael was yelling, Help me! Get him off me! Angel briefly turned and said, Stay out! Then he grabbed Michael either by the shoulder or around the neck and started shaking him violently and banging him against the wall. He was yelling, you better get my money or I'll break your neck, or something to that effect. It sounded like he was already trying to break his neck, but you what do I know? get my money or I'll break your neck. I remember Michael looked right at me with a sort of pleading look in his eyes. I grabbed the hammer, which was in the closet directly to my left. I stepped forward and hit Angel over the head. He actually hits Angel, this drug dealer, in the head three times with a hammer before he even gets off. Of Michael. Okay. So he, Michael gives him that look. He goes, grabs the hammer. And in like the passion that he did the moment, he just 
boom, hard as he can on his head. But like the adrenaline is pumping so much in this drug dealer that he doesn't even notice it. And it took him three, like full swing, like a, like a Sammy Sosa with a baseball bat on his head for him to get knocked out or at least to get off of him. Damn. Like, I don't know. I feel like you could have just tackled him if you're a grown man or like, then you could have outnumbered him. And I don't know. I don't know. But I wasn't there. Trying to get him off of Michael and maybe knock him unconscious. I was in a panic and very concerned at the level of anger Angel was displaying. After the first blow, he turned and grabbed for the hammer. He might have gotten his hands on it. I'm not sure, but I snatched it back and hit him in the head again. He started to go down, but he was still pissed off and he started going for Michael again. So I hit him a third time and he went down. At this point, Angel is off and he's not unconscious, but Michael gets up and he is literally got his second wind. He grabs a pillow and starts put he basically puts it over this unconscious drug dealer's face and just starts snuffing him out with his pillow. Mm-hmm. At this point, Michael got onto his chest and was strangling him with his hands. I yelled, what are you doing? Michael seemed to be very angry at this point and was cursing at Angel. He then took a pillow and put it over Angel's face. I made him stop by either telling him to stop or rising him off of Angel. At this point, Angel's pretty much unconscious. The pillow is on his face. And now the guy who wrote this confession, Freeze, Mm -hmm. is trying to pull Michael off of him from killing him. Mm -hmm. But Michael, as you'll see later, is just, you know, just a bundle of joy. Oh, okay. All right. I'd have to say, like, so if Michael's argument is like he was trying to kill me, like his point, it's past the point of being able to defend yourself because if this guy is unconscious, like and not attacking you anymore, like you're not defending yourself. It's after the after the fact. He does get off. He was like, all right, whatever, whatever. And he storms off into the kitchen and he opens the uh, cabinet, you know, under the sink and he grabs a bottle and then he comes back. So his confession then goes on. I then walked into the living room and possibly to the bedroom. When I returned, Michael was beside the body again. Now, this guy, this drug dealer, is still alive. He was only hit in the head with a hammer three times. Your head's pretty, pretty thick. You know, you're not going to die. Well, most people aren't going to die. He Depending returns, on what kind of hammer it was. If it was like a regular hammer, maybe not. But if it was a sledgehammer, like... I noticed that Michael was beside the body again. I noticed a broken syringe on the floor by the body and Michael was pouring something from the bathroom. Now, what this something is happened to be Drano. He was pouring it into his mouth. Into Angel's mouth? Yeah, into the drug dealer's mouth. I again screamed, what are you doing? What is your problem? He's out. And then started wrapping the tape around his mouth. He asked for the duct tape from the closet and said, you have to help me. So I helped him finish wrapping the tape around Angel's mouth. Then I left the room. Okay, so that's where we're going to start with the murder. So basically, here's how it happened. Freeze comes back to his apartment. It's nighttime. You know, he thinks everything's going to be quiet, even though there's New York City, so everything's in chaos anyway. He walks in there. Well, yeah, it's a city that never sleeps. He walks in there, and then this random guy that, I mean, he knows this guy, the drug dealer, is beating the shit out of his roommate. He goes, grabs a hammer, boom, 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 three times. He's out. Michael puts a pillow over his mouth. Freeze, yanks him away. And then he's like, fuck it. I can't deal with this right now. And he goes into his room. 
he comes back to see Michael actually pouring Drano in the guy's mouth. I feel like that's just not necessary at that point. And then right. wrapping it with tape. So, so it's like, oh, even... you can't spit it out. But this guy is literally unconscious. Okay, let's talk about Michael, shall we? This is what Michael looks like. And this is uh, from Geraldo, my favorite, favorite talk show host. Oh, Geraldo. He's got he's... the best mustache. He lives in Marion, Massachusetts, Nicole. Oh. Or is from there. Indiana. Now, what, what do your old friends in Indiana do you expect? That's oh, Michael. What are they thinking what? watching you right now? Oh, he looks like Love fun. your haircut. I mean, it's Thank just you. sensational. <laughs> well, low maintenance. I see that. It's great. I don't know. Club I guess kid. they're jealous because I'm having a lot of fun and they're not. <laughs> I'm making a lot of money, having a lot of fun, and they're not. I, I get the orange ears and the pink nose, but why the lipstick? <laughs> I'm, I'm not wearing any lipstick. <laughs> Serious question. Is he trying to look like a clown? He doesn't look like a clown. He looks a little bit like a clown. He does. I thought he looked like a clown as well because of the way that he had his makeup. But, like, what is his purpose in life? All right, let me talk about, let me talk about Michael the Killer's background. Okay, when he was a child growing up in Indiana, okay, this kid did you just saw the one that looked like that grew up in Indiana. Oh, so like you know farming, and now he's in New York. Okay, no, not but farming. But at a, when he was a kid, he used to watch horror movies with his mom. Now his mom gets divorced, and she's going to kind of come into play. Her name is Elka. Okay, she does make an appearance in tonight's story. He did grow up poor, and he was what they call, and I guess. We still have this today, just not this drug, but a Ridlin child. Basically, uh, oh, your yes. child is just all over the fucking place. Here, throw so some Ridlin. So he had a ADD or ADHD. I'm super creeped out by the way he looks. I think I'm too drunk to be creeped out, but you know. One time while snooping through his things, I discovered Michael Alex's unpublished memoirs. In them, he goes on for eternity about digging a hole to hell when he was a child and listening to the furnace at night thinking it was the voice of the devil. Sure, it's a sweet bit of foreshadowing. We see his paranoia, his fascination with his dark side. Wait, so they only prescribed him Ritalin and he had all these things going on? Like, he probably should have been seeing a counselor. Okay, so he actually grew up and he went to a, what they call an experimental school. Oh, they don't have these anymore. Like the hippie schools? Uh, Yeah, kind of. So basically, do they? Like yeah. the Montessori skills? No, not schools? the Montessori. It's basically like they would have these specific schools that were public schools. They would put all these kids in a room and basically applaud them for anything. It was like, you can't do no wrong. Oh, you made an F. Oh, but you, so that's where this all started. <laughs> Trophies for everyone. Oh my they God. get to choose. Yeah. Everyone's like taking yeah, the art class all day long. Don't get me started. It's the hippie age. I okay. work in public education, so please, please. No one's vaccinated. Okay, it was the hippie age. Now, he actually wanted to be a catalog model ever since he was a little kid. Did I tell you guys the story about how I was almost a Toys R Us kid? Now, when he was a young lad, he wanted to be a catalog model. And in Indiana, I mean, ain't nothing but corn out in there in them parts. And you're going to go to school. He's got all these pictures of himself. He's taking pictures of himself and like all these Dior or whatever magazine shoots or whatever. He's trying to be like JC a... Penny. It reminds me a lot of like a Luca Magnata. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it does remind me a lot of that. Now, his mother, Elka is divorced or at the time and that probably did bring some strain on the relationship especially when they grew up so poor but from the book that we're reading tonight 
the mother was, quote, a blowsy Shelly Winters in her sex pot days. Who's Shelly Winters? <laughs> now, She's Michael was actually raised by his two elderly neighbors. So after the father leaves, um, the grand, this older guy named Earl and his wife, Claire Bell, they swooped in and they kind of raised him for that the mom. Because nice. the mom is kind of... A floozy? Uh, not a floozy. She's just... Uh, Disaster. Kind of hot yeah, mess? Disa- a hot mess, yeah. <laughs> what, what do you guys think this story is about? The hint was Andy Warhol. You saw the guy. Give me, based on who Andy Warhol is, because he's a very, very big player in this story, tell me what is going on. Did he work for him? I think that maybe Michael was a a model that was, that aspired to <laughs> be a subject of Andy Warhol's work or was trying to break into the industry by making his own look like, cause no one really wore makeup like that. Yeah. Was he trying to be like Andy Warhol's muse? He was trying to like start a movement, like uh, the sexy clown models. I'm not saying he was sexy, but like that was just like his kind of like demeanor. When Michael was in school, he did bring a girl to prom but obviously he grew up gay and his mother actually says that that prom date really defined to her he himself knew he was gay but he was trying to almost pretend he wasn't or he was living in the closet i don't think he was living in the closet i I don't know just listen to his mom michael was putting on a show for me to satisfy me that he was taking a nice young lady to the prom It was sad for her, too, because she didn't know and I didn't know about Michael's lifestyle. I didn't find out until he was in college that uh, he was gay. He moves to Fordham University in New York City. Now, he's always had this dream of going to New York, as I'm going to talk about here right now. Okay, what do you know about Andy Warhol? Campbell's Soup. Campbell Soup, he was the, which he, is also that uh, documentary we watched about uh, Mr. Brainwash. Oh, I want to see that. That sounds good. You remember? Yeah. The yeah, guy, yeah, yeah. Um, what was that guy that Banksy. does? Banksy. Banksy. is oh, the yeah. Banksy documentary. You'd probably recognize his paintings because he would paint the pictures and then he'd have them in different like shades. Yeah, different shades and, and colors. It was it was a kind of like a movement. Okay, so a little bit about Andy Warhol from what I know. I he think wore he's, sunglasses. He was blonde. Actually, no, he didn't have any hair at all. He's bald. He was bald. He just wore wigs. Oh. And he would wear oh. different wigs every day. Did he have trichotillomania? Okay, so Andy Warhol, he was actually uh, from a small town, too. But his parents were Czechoslovakian immigrants. Both of his parents were. He invented the pop art. A thing about Andy Warhol is he also had the dream of New York City. He wanted to be with the celebrities. Okay, that was what his art was about. It was all about the self and and not like in a good way. I mean, it was about it it was about vanity. Okay, that's what it was Uh. about. It was about I'm just so, so hot and so better than everyone. That was the movement. And I'm probably not explaining it right. His art brought on a new era of art called the new realism movement. And that was what he created personally, and he was a big influencer downtown. He dies in 1987, and that's basically when the story huh. takes place tonight. Because that guy you saw, 
He's not the only one like that. You saw Michael Alec. He's not that only guy. That would paint his face like that? In fact, he looks very normal compared to some of the other people in this story. Do you guys know what celebutants are? In 1987, a guy named Michael Musto, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit because he's very influential in this very specific time period. Now, there's a lot of murders that happened in New York. So why is this one right here more popular than anyone? And it's it was so popular, in fact, that Macaulay Culkin actually made a movie about it, even though he's kind of a shitty actor, even though his brother's really good. Oh, his brother is in... Um, I, I don't know if he's a shitty actor or not. I haven't watched any of his other stuff. You've never seen Home Alone? <laughs> he was excellent in Home Alone. <laughs> yeah, but that was and like it. He's a child actor. I, why has he... Has he even been in anything recently? Yeah, he's been in this. So anyway, this movie that he made is called Party Monster. It's basically the book we're reading today. Oh, and I've it's a fantastic, fantastic book. It's very, very wild to I've read. I've heard that title before. And I've, I didn't see it, but I heard it. In 1987, a guy named Michael Musto which looks just like the guy from Ghostbusters, which I'll show you here in a second. He publishes an article in the Village Voice titled, quote, The Death of Downtown. Now, this happened right when Andy Warhol died. He died in 1987. Now, at the time, you guys seen American Psycho, right? Yeah. Well, parts of it. I fell asleep. So you go into the clubs at that time period. What was it like? It was in, in New York. Everyone was... Cocaine. Well, not properly dressed, but kind of, um, yeah, cocaine, yeah, but, uh, you know, everyone was kind of rigid, if you will. Okay. The Shoulder so- pads. Now, well, no, I mean, just classy, if you will. I don't know the right Up- word for it. Like they dress up scale. Uppity. Yeah, uppity. Andy Warhol comes onto the scene with his pop art and completely, completely revolutionizes not only art, but also the club scenes, which clubs are big in New York. There was basically three hubs, New York City, Chicago and San Francisco from my research. And Andy Warhol came out and he completely turned everything on its head. He was basically poking fun of commercialism and mass marketing and stuff like that. And he made people completely dress differently everyone is dressing all wild and crazy right andy warhol kind of brought on this generation called the celebutant you'll hear Geraldo in a second ask one of the guys what a celebutant is but it's basically you have these clubs that are so a-list and you can't ever get in because all the actors are there all the the guys with all the money They're doing all these expensive drugs and a regular person like you and me would never, ever be able to get in there. Not in a club where some movie star is. So you have what they call celebutants, which is basically this little subculture of kids, trust fund kids. Okay, Uh because most of them were daddy's money, stuff like that. They would come to New York and they would they create this movement based off Andy Warhol's art and they would dress wildly. Like just pink hair, like you've never seen this before, especially in the 80s. You know, this was during Soviet area. This was like the Cold War kind of shit. Right. So no one has ever seen that stuff. Okay, and then they just come out in the scene and started dressing all this crazy stuff. Well, in 1987, Andy Warhol dies. And that's when that article came out, The Death of Downtown. That means downtown is over. All these celebutants are pretty much old news. Things are changing oh. after his death. That's how 
that's how much of an impact this one artist had on this whole thing. So when that guy had his face painted and stuff like that, that was like during that time frame that you're talking that about. Is, the guy that you saw, Michael Elig, is not a celebutant. Okay. And I had I a I had a hard time understanding the difference. He is of the new era okay. called the Club Kids. <laughs> so in 1987, the celebutants go out. The club kids come in. You think of the rap we used to listen to, like Lil Wayne, all this little wet, all this uh, rap that we used to listen to, and now the new rap is we don't even fucking Mumble understand rap. it. Mumble rap and shit, we don't understand it. It's that's basically the the shift of the paradigm gotcha. shift here. Okay, okay, okay. I'm with so you. this is Gerardo. Any journalist there? You have chronicled the. That's him. That's Michael Musto for, for many years for the Village Voice. Has, uh, as Suzanne uh, says, the nightlife here in town been rejuvenated by this outrageousness? Yeah, well, a few years ago when AIDS first made its impact, Nels came on the scene. It was very conservative, very sterile. People dressed in black and posed and flaunted their gold cards, and they were boring. That was, and then a- that's what I'm talking about. That was American Psycho. If you saw gotcha. the movie, they're black yes. cards. I'm, I'm rich. I'm a yes. Wall Streeter. It's very boring what he just said. Now, this was right before Warhol How thick is changed your everything card? with the celebutants. Gotcha. And this guy is the most influential jur- journalist for this whole subculture. And he's he's in he's like the uh, the dream. If you basically if you can get into his magazine column, you've made it. Huh. So. So. OK. So there's so he's the journalist. And then Michael Alg is on the same episode of Geraldo, correct? Yeah. He, okay. With the paint Launching this new crop of people, thanks to Suzanne and the club kids. And they dressed up and they made name for themselves. And I mean, I understand even you changed your name at one point, Geraldo. Oh, <laughs> That's fucked. What was yeah. his name? Michael, for a journalist, I'm surprised you get a story wrong. <laughs> okay, so who wants to see these club kids, Me. as they were called? Me. Now, these are the new celebitants. Go to talkmer.com to see these interesting people. Oh. I'm I'm sort of square in, in all this. I've been out, okay. out of the scene for thirty or forty years here. I'll um, try and wait for you. What's the difference? <laughs> what's the difference oh. between uh, the club scene and and raving? Is raving the same? Oh God. Well, um, it all originated in the UK as far as like a decade ago. But um, what is raving? Raving. Um, it's just like um, it's just another definition for partying and having fun until dawn or until the next day. Raving. You know, it's the definition as you will find in the vocabulary. Um, I just hope having that fun. person it's never like has a positive, to go through a metal detector. As my friend in SF would say, it's a high <laughs> fashion model attitude, and it's really positive. Uh-huh. Oh, what is it, Michael? <laughs> Thank you, Michael. <laughs> SF. So how, how that, are... Th- that's Michael Alig. This is a different So interview. he's been on uh, Geraldo a couple of times. Yeah, he's been on like four times. Now, this is his dress. His no, so in this dress right here, Michael is pulling off the um, crackhead, homeless... Uh, man that has beat up. You see, he's got bruises on his neck. Yeah. These are painted on bruises. These uh, aren't real. I mean, that bruise on his neck looks more like a hickey than a bruise. I'm just so confused why this is like a thing. A thing, but how is being a professional club kid? I mean, you really are. I mean, how are you a professional club kid? You get paid for now. that. You're very well known. People hire you to bring kids to their private. Beauty parties. is in the eye of the person who signs a paycheck. Of their their collective senses of you. Okay, so these are the club kids. Wait, so are they they're paid to go to the clubs to do no, no, act like this? Yes, actually they are, which is fucking crazy. How do I get a not, job? Not yeah. all of them are paid. 
uh, it's hard to um is it kind of like a being a shot girl today no no, oh. no 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 that's like being a promoter now we're reading the book called party monster by james saint james he was a friend of michael alex and this is party monster is actually the movie that was created based on the story with hmm. macaulay culkin i'll have to watch that yes the looks were pretty lame in the beginning just cheap homemade costumes I used to feel like my mother on Halloween. And what do we have here? A scary monster, a cowboy, a pretty fairy princess. Here's a hint of ecstasy. Run along now. <laughs> Here's a hint of ecstasy. Run along now. Huh. Huh. Okay, so this is meeting Michael Alec for the first time. This is James St. James, which I'm going to show you in a minute. I saw you on Oprah, and I have your picture from Interview Magazine on my refrigerator. Of course you do, darling. Now, if you'll excuse me. I'm going to be a party promoter. So is my Guatemalan housekeeper. But you hang in there, dear. Goodbye. What do you think of this idea? A masquerade party at the Kit Kat Club, where everybody comes dressed as their favorite Sunday morning cartoon character. I'd rather have rectal cancer, darling. But if it's sweet of you to ask, now, good night. And I ran for the exit, hoping that that was the end of it. But there he was again the next night, draped across the village voice gossip columnist Michael Musto. And the next night, and every night, and every party, everywhere we went, there he was, smiling and chatting up everybody in the room. So he was, like, trying to gain fame. He was really hanging up with this Michael Musto. He was, like, really yeah. trying to promote himself. He was trying to get famous through this guy, right? To answer your question, yeah, he was trying to get famous through this guy. But that is what the celebutants did, okay? So James St. James is a celebutant. Michael Alig is a new club kid. So this is basically how the celebitants, which are basically the same. They would basically be these kids that are trying to get in with the it crowd. Right. There, I said, that's perfect. The it crowd in the clubs. So there was basically an A, B, C, and a D category. I was reading uh, this this one article. In the A category, you get in and all everything's covered. Your drinks all night and the food and everything's oh. covered. Mm, I wish. B category only like your drinks are paid and you still got to pay other things, right? Okay. That's not that okay. bad. And then C, you can still get in because you're pretty, but you have to pay for everything that you want, drinks, right. stuff like that. And D, you're just disqualified. You don't even get in. Even Aww. though you might be pretty enough, you just don't get in. That That's the, the category with these clubs. They're very strict in that time period. Everyone wants to be there. It's the it thing to do why though and it and it turned at one point if you remember american psycho i know that's like the only movie i can reference but if you saw that everyone's in there uppity uppity here's my black card i got all this money i'm a wall streeter that changed okay and now because if you follow the money the club owners who are the one making the money they saw this change come on and now the it crowd are these club people kids. you see on Geraldo, these these guys that dress crazy. So now if you want to be in the ABC category, you got to be one of those people. Because so there was these club kids were actually most of them not even from New York. They would come for six months and just dress all this crazy shit and hopefully get on a Gerardo or Oprah for six months and just to live the life for six months. It's just like an experience. Well, you know, well, it's like going to well, the Burning Man or something. Here's my thoughts. The psychology behind that is probably that these these people caused a spectacle. And then you that brings more patrons to your club. Like, whoa, what's going on at that club? I want to go see. And then they go in and they pay their money and they pay for the drinks and they pay for the food. 
just to see what it's all about and and then it becomes a whole cultural movement. That's just my thoughts. I don't really know because I wasn't like there at the time, but that's that's just my thoughts on that. Okay, this is the celebutants club system. Like I said, they're not actors, they're not you know, they don't own the club. They don't own restaurants. So they got to do something to get in the club. So they basically dress this way. And um, this James St. James, who wrote this book, is basically the one that kind of brought all these kids together. Now, he terms the one, two, three of social acceptance, which is actually very interesting. First, spend at least six hours getting ready. Study oh, yourself in the mirror at six home. Six hours. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. You would <laughs> That's murder half a me. day. Is your is well? Here's the thing about these club kids: they would sleep all day until seven, eight at night. Then they would get up, do their makeup, hit the clubs at two, and then be done at seven a.m. Okay, these I mean, a lot of these guys are getting their families paying for this. It's like an experience for them. It's it's crazy. I know it's just stay with me. It, it, it took me crazy. so long to understand this. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I'm I've you've lost me because study, I'm trying just, to be in bed by 8 p.m. Go on. Study yourself in the mirror at home. Is your hairdo media friendly? Remember, you must be eye catching, but simple. OK, step two, enter the room in a clatter of commotion. Now, this actually does work. This is some psychology behind this. There's this whole group of people called pickup artists that do this very same shit. OK, so you walk into a club. And, you know, instead of just walking to a club and just being la, mm -hmm. you know, just normal level, like it's because everyone usually looks at the door and see who's coming in and out. Right. Who, you know, who's coming in and out. So yeah. if you walk in, you know, and you just told a joke to your buddy, you know, and you're just like, ha, 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 you know, you automatically gain this rapport with people in the room. This right. is a real thing. Yeah. Like yeah. People actually do this. So this yeah. is that's step two. Circle and now enter the room in a clatter of commotion. Circle the room once together, saying hello to every person. Okay, even if you don't know them, especially if you don't know them, yeah, you pretend that you do. Okay, right. now take 20 to 25 minutes talking to everyone, then you separate from your partner, and then he goes the other way and retraces your steps. Now you keep going, talking to everyone, but now you're saying, Hey, have you seen my partner? You know, my friend, where did he go? Because it's giving you something else to talk about. Then you guys meet up back and then you do another circle around the room Together? and you say, I, we found each other. Yada, yada, yada. You're always wow. doing the room. That's and kind you, of brilliant. It is yeah. brilliant. And you only spend an hour and a half, no more there. Then you leave. Because if you spend too much long, if you spend too longer there, then you're not important. Right. Th these guys had it down to a science. These are the guys up here, the celebutants. They would go in and they would just light up the room. Now, you asked, how are these guys getting paid? A lot of them were. A lot wow. of these club owners were paying these guys to do this. In fact, Michael Elig, a lot of club owners in Chicago actually flew him down to Chicago. What? From to, New York? Yes, to be there and to bring some of his freaks, if you want to call them, or whatever they were, into the club just for the appearance sake. So, yes, he was getting paid. Plus, he was a, a, a promoter. Yeah, it's crazy. It's very that is crazy. I feel like clubs won't do that. I mean, I get that the, they would do like the whole A-lister thing. They will if the culture changes to that. Because clubs in Chicago, now they're looking at New York and like, fuck, why can't we do that? They're looking at how much behind, fun they're having. Yeah. All the costumes and shit they're wearing. So mm. you think, you don't think that shit's going to change? Fuck yeah, it will. 
And, I, and when he first mentioned the three hubs as as New York, Chicago, and San Francisco, I was thinking to myself, well, why aren't you mentioning L.A.? Why aren't you mentioning Boston? And I was like, because those places don't really give a fuck about the other places they do, and they do their own completely different thing. He says, finally, regroup and scream with transcendental bliss at the thrill of finding one and other again. Now, lock arms and work the whole room again. Telling all your newfound friends, quote, not to worry. We found each other at long last. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah. the whole walking into a party laughing is a brilliant idea. It really though. is. No, but it like, is. It. The guy that wrote this book, James St. James, he claims that he only accepted Michael because he was in love with his boyfriend, which his name was DJ Kiyoki. Scandalous. Wait, is his name is his name DJ or was he a DJ? He was a really bad DJ. Okay, little Kiyoki was just an ad- was just adorable back then, cute as a bug. I was immediately smitten. I remember all we were. The entire club stopped cold the first night Michael brought out his little hot his hot little Spanish boy toy. Okay, so Michael meets this guy named Peter Gayton. Now he becomes his mentor. He's actually the owner of a nightclub called Limelight. It was very popular back in the day. And Michael becomes a club promoter and he was actually very influential. So, all right, when Warhol died in 1987, literally it was the death of the Celebiton era. Literally after he died and that article came out, it went to shit. There was no, there, there weren't filling up the clubs anymore. Huh. Okay. So someone has to fill that void. So you know? the, it was the club kids. It was the club kids. Gotcha. Like, uh, like uh, some scientists said, I can't remember who it is, maybe Newton or something. Nature ab- abhors a vacuum. Uh-huh. You know, so just like the club, if there's a vacuum, there's got to be something to fill it. Ooh, because someone's got to go to the clubs. Someone's got to go to the clubs. It's really hard to explain because I... When I first started reading this, I thought that Michael Alec was a celebitant, but it's not. He is the club kid. He's uh-huh. Michael Alec. The reason he's so well known and Macaulay Culkin made a movie out of him because he started this club kid thing. But you can't just do the same thing that they were doing. The celebitants right. dressing all crazy. His own thing. You got to start your own thing and you got to push the boundaries. And that's what he did. And he became a very, very successful club promoter. And he was making a lot of money. I mean, and he was getting flown everywhere and doing this. And he was Hmm. appearing on Geraldo and all this other stuff. Must be nice. Okay, so. so, It's like the former D-listers became the A-listers because they were just so unique. His big break was an event he called Disco 2000 on a Wednesday night. Every Wednesday night, he would pack limelight with 2,200 people. What? They would be waiting out the doors and everything. It was insane. They had a six-foot chicken. Here's a, here's the um, commercial that he put on. I mean, that's like the size of that um, performing arts center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> the theory is that you fill a club with great looking people, beautiful women, um, gay people, fashion people, a little bit of drag queens and color, and that 
in and of itself will make the club hot and get a lot of publicity, the right kind of publicity, and then the True. paying people will start to come. And yeah, that's our dream I agree with from, that. Uh, you know, 7,800 to a consistent 22, 2,500 people on a Wednesday night. Apparently, there is a crowd of people who are attracted to topless green transsexuals and six foot chickens. <laughs> this is a new kind of entertainment. Let me show that's it to Phil you. Donaghy. Watch this. Oh, oh shit. my God. <laughs> what? They're called club kids. And they party all night and sleep all day. Do you see that guy that. Um... That had the stuff sticking out of Which his one? ears. Yes, that that is a club kid. Celebi taunts are just like that, like dyed hair, maybe transsexual. But at the time, public was like, "Oh my god, you're dying your hair." So then Andy Warhol dies. That movement ends, and then you have this whole other fucking monster that this one guy, Michael Alley, created. He created it himself. This kid from Indiana. I mean, like. Okay, part of me would want to go to the, one of these clubs just to see what it's like, but the other part of me, like, too many people. Like, I like, <laughs> I just looked over at Nicole and I forgot she was wearing her SARS mask. I'm a club kid. <laughs> Nicole is a club kid tonight. But, hey, you know, like, okay, guys, we need to go out one night. Not to one of these New York clubs, because that's, like, way too many people. But, like, we need to go out and, like, just go. And we also need a designated driver. So if y'all are in the Charleston area and want to DD us so we can experience this club, that'd be great. Okay, thanks. Look at this guy. Oh, my God. Uh. It's creepy. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Now, the, you remember the uh, drag queen episode we did? Yes. So, I mean, we, look at this guy. He's got, he looks like a fucking, <laughs> like a. Uh, fire. Not, it's fire guy. Like a. He's supposed to be a flames. villain from a superhero. Yeah, movie. he looks like he lo- Maleficent. <laughs> but you, or, can you go uh, buy Hades this from Hercules? No, no, you gotta make you that. Can't, shit. You gotta make it. So these are all DIY fucking costumes. How long did that take? And them? that get, it gets crazy too. Like some of these. So here's the scene. Here's the thing. You you did this. Now you got to see if you can top it. So here's Michael. How? How are you going to top that? Well, and I'm tell you why. But you know what? I have to pause you because it's not just here on Geraldo and all this. Like people do this stuff today, like on the prices, right? Like they will dress crazy in order to get notice. I mean, that's like the Chiquita Banana Woman right there. (laughs) the The problem with this movement is it is a fad because people don't still do this. Obviously, oh, I mean, it's not like. You know what I'm saying? People have seen it. And that was Michael Alex's problem. He was making a lot of money. Yes. But here's the problem. Every week, he has to up the ante even more and more and more and more and more. Okay. Let me tell you about some of the ideas that he did. Okay. Now, go to talkmore.com if you want to see this video. You've probably seen something like this before. It's basically a transsexual doing a champagne enema on stage. What? <laughs> That's so excessive. <laughs> On stage? Somebody did this yet. So many things wrong with that statement. Her like, name, her first, name. <laughs> I, second, oh my God. champagne. That's wait, so expensive. Wait. Number three on stage. Like, Jen, like, Jen, turn around and read her name. Ida Slapper. Oh, no. That, <laughs> Ida Slapter. Yeah. Ida Slapter. Okay, no. Uh, another thing about these new club kids that the Slebutons didn't have is their names. My favorite name that I've seen is Jenny Telia. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this is her doing the champagne enema. Oh, no. We have to watch this. What the fuck? 
Look at it come out of her butt. She squirts it out. Look. Ew. Look at it. Look at it. You see it squirting out? You see it squirting? See it? Ew. Ew. <laughs> you see it squirting out? Yes. Was that Michael? <laughs> no, that was Ida Slapped. Yeah, oh, I know, but like, was he in character? <laughs> Oh no, no, God. no! That was, it was just someone else that, being fucking crazy. I, or Michael is Can't a you club. I know it's something that doesn't cost like fifty dollars a bottle. Michael back then? is the club promoter, so every every Wednesday he had to basically bring something new to the table. That's the conundrum. You can't do the same thing because people have seen it. Right. Here you go. The performance that will forever resonate in my head, the one I still can't believe, can't stop talking about, can't stop thinking about, just dreaming about, screaming about, was a gal named Ida Slapter. Just your average, typical trailer park tranny from Austin, Texas. <laughs> nice enough. Chatting with her at the bar, you probably didn't give her your full attention. Seen one Southern drag queen, seen them all, huh? It's those seemingly normal exteriors, the bee di- the, the beehive hairdo, the penny royal house dress, the stubble beneath the pancake. That hid truly deranged minds. Watch out for the average. They're usually hiding something big. On Christmas Eve, <laughs> on stage... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry if I wasn't as drunk as I am I probably wouldn't have laughed at that but like you know does that make sense now when it, when that first quote you read it was like Michael came out with a blue penis not quite uh, right, that but, quote was more disturbing than that that I was tried entertaining to, I tried to keep you guys like off of the real story behind these crazy guys you the know? wild and crazy guys like Steve Martin and Martin Short on Saturday Night Light Live on Christmas Eve, on stage, Ida stripped naked and pulled a full string of lit Christmas bulbs at one time out of her ass. No! She made her way slowly across the stage, pop and twinkle, pop and twinkle, <laughs> until you couldn't help but be swept in the pure joy and awe-inspiring grandeur of the Wait, season. wait, wait, what was the pop? Did she a, fart them out? Like, well, it, pop? Pop, it popping out of her butthole. Twi- oh, gross. Um, oh, gross. A 24-foot like, string of lights no, coming out of Ida's butt really there. reminded you, you of the true her. meaning no, of Christmas. That was her. Did she swallow no, them and no. she was digesting no, them? No, like, she oh, up her butt. Not, oh, no. Not only no, that. There was a balloon up there. Not only she's that. She didn't die. Yeah. Okay, not only that. They were plugged in and she stuck them No, they weren't plugged in. That's what I was about to get to. In the book, he says... That guy, James St. James, watched her for two hours. She had someone else put not only, what is it, 24 feet of Christmas lights up her booty hole, but 24 also... 24 feet? Was, isn't that the length of your Also, colon? the first thing she put up there was the battery adapter. Uh-uh. Because the lights were on, like you said. <laughs> she pulled them out glowing, baby. They were twinkling. Twinkle little star. Out of my butthole, oh, here they shit. are. <laughs> Why does your butthole wide enough to put a battery adapter up there? Like, I don't, I want to know, but I don't at the same time. How do you time. even get that up there? Yeah, oh 24 God. feet. Can, can, wait, John, I'm so sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but can you please Google the length of an average person's colon? Like, how do you how get 24 feet up there? A butthole. I mean, granted, like, you know, the wires you can compress, but the bulbs. Uh-uh. You can't. Uh, and uh, she's lucky she, one of them didn't uh, break up her butt. An hour before her performance, Ida lay spread eagle on the ground and she had a helping hand. And how slowly, carefully, 
millimeter by millimeter insert a battery pack into her upper intestine. And if that isn't a true showbiz trooper, well, I'll eat my Ann Miller wig. And they call Gary Collins the hardest working man in show business. I'm just like amazed Mm-mm. and not in a good a way. battery pack. Because, you know, double A's are like at least like an inch and a half long. So you got a, you got a, a a battery pack is probably at least two inches by three inches. That's like an average battery pack. Okay. Why does that go up your butthole? All right. So as it's women, against the law of nature. Okay. So as women, obviously, we like birth humans, and like the human head is huge, and also a body. But like your butthole should not be able to accommodate that. Nope. Like if it was able to accommodate that, then constipation wouldn't be a thing. You know True. what I mean? Okay, so you guys understand this whole movement I never even knew about the club kids. It was a thing for only a few years, but it really happened. And there were people, there were kids all over the U.S. expiring to come here, even if it was only for six months. Kids like to young adults or kids it. like children? I mean, there were. I know, I think he means like of drinking. Yeah, age. like, yeah, okay, 21, okay, 22. Gotcha. But no, not only that, because. Michael himself had brought that 14-year-old boy home and a 16-year-old at one point. There were kids doing this. All right, so how can you do this? I mean, there's got to be something involved, okay? Do you guys know what it is? Drugs. Drugs. A lot of fucking drugs. Okay, first, they were doing a cocktail of these ingredients. Rofenol, Xanax, and ketamine. Now, ketamine is special K because I saw this. A lot. What is a K-hole? They're all talking about K-hole. You do the special K, this ketamine, and then you go into what they call a K-hole. That's it's like, like this where you fucking... like don't fucking know what the fuck is going on, right? Yeah, but it's, it's something that I've seen so many times, this K-hole. This is James St. James. This is the guy that wrote the book. He's talking about what a K-hole is, because, I mean, they all did it. The first couple times I ever did it, and I was like, this is awful. Why on earth would I want to, you know, you know feel like I'm underwater, you know? That's him doing ketamine. Once you get past the K-hole, you can go into, like, K-land, which is what I call it. And and that's where, like, you know, all of a sudden you're Queen Victoria, you know, traipsing around Buckingham Palace, you know. And you don't you don't really know where you are. You don't really know who you are or what's going on. But it doesn't matter. Everything sort of makes sense, even though nothing makes sense. That sounds terrible. And it's, sort of, it's a gorgeous feeling. And that's what we've all been searching for, all the club kids, is to, you know, have our own little world. So it's like, I mean... Every generation goes to this thing with the drugs. Like from the 70s, they were doing drugs and even 90s and the 2000s. The problem now is the drugs they're doing kills them instantly. I mean, do you know, well, we talk about like carfentanil, which is 50 times more potent than an, an elephant tranquilizer. I like, mean, I mean, it just gets too out of control. Yeah, today everything is laced with something. You, you, you never know what you're going to get. You can go to the corner and buy like, like three grams of of pot and then all of a sudden you smoke a joint but it's laced with fentanyl or whatever it is or and then you die and you die okay speaking of uh this this is michael alig's um website oh and i tried to get yeah like wait spoiler alert he's out of prison oh (laughs) yeah he's out but anyway this is his website i try to pull information on it but as you'll see it's pretty much impossible to get any information Whoa. off this thing. Oh. <laughs> Look at the f- That's trippy as fuck. Yeah, like... You what try the to- fuck? I can't, you can't even read that. I know. Oh. 
just like, what the fuck, dude? He's like trying to drug you with his website. <laughs> like you're sober oh and you're like trying yeah. to read it and you I can't. Like, I mean, I'm not sober. I'm drunk, but like at the same eyes. time, what the I fuck? can't even read this shit. It's hard to explain, but it bends your thoughts into a non-linear, looping sort of format. It pretzels your thoughts into meal-bus strips. You can see everything inside and out and curling all around itself. Oh my god, I love pretzels. Close your eyes and it's a whole new world. There's a whole lot of unfolding. Everything just slides away, like many curtains opening at once. And your muscles hallucinate. They feel lifted upward quickly so your stomach drops. Nothing can prepare you for that up, up, up feeling. When you're on the ceiling and the ceiling keeps getting higher, you're borne upon a wave and pushed upward and forward. I don't think I would like that. Okay, so here's the deal. Michael Alec was on top of the world. He's making a lot of money and doing these shows. But, 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 and we see this a lot. When you do stuff like ketamine and all these things and cocaine and ecstasy... It pucks you up. Here comes the heroin. Oh. Right. The fucking killer. The heroin. It's always the heroin. And Michael started getting addicted to both heroin and crack cocaine. Now, oh. he was making a lot of money. And he started spending it all. And he started going broke. Because he ain't the entrepreneur that he was. Now he's just a fucking now addict. A addict. So, yeah. wait a minute. So, like, ketamine is a gateway drug now, too? I wouldn't say it's a gateway drug, but all right, you're you're at this club and you just got a pill of something. You don't even know what the fuck it is. Molly. And then you're high as shit. And then someone's like, hey, here's some heroin. It's like brand new. You want to try it? It's like the all the shit. Hell yeah. I mean, you just literally, as I was reading this book, um, snorted a 12 line off some dude's hard penis, like in the book. Okay. So why not do a few hits of heroin? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess I can see that. Totally. Yeah, like if you're on a totally <laughs> well, different, you can see that. <laughs> oh, if you're on a totally different planet, then you wouldn't really know what the fuck you were agreeing to, right? So it's like in this glory hole. Okay, anyway, that's different. That's something totally different. Here's the story. This was a fad. This club kids, the celebitants. After Andy Warhol died, there was a fad, and he was cashing in and making a shit ton of money on a fad, kind of like what we're, we're doing with podcasting, and then. Eventually, that fad dies, and then you start to get addicted to heroin. Kind of like, well, I hope we don't get addicted to heroin. Like, Like I really don't want that to happen. What do you think is going to happen, Jen? Um, Hopefully, not that. That is inevitable. Hopefully, I will like promote myself within my career that I have aside from podcasting. It goes for you. Podcasting is a gateway drug. At least (laughs) help. Someone help. (laughs) When I returned to my senses and came back to New York, I found that Disco 2000 was still hot and Michael was still on top. But the scene had changed. It was darker and druggier than I remembered. Heroin had made its comeback and Special K, Rohypnol, and GHB everywhere. Coke and ecstasy were considered passe dinosaur food. Now it was all about being super sloppy and out of control. The looks to me were for damaged and plague ridden. Sores and bruises, ripped and ragged outfits. Ew. I guess. Like you saw, excuse me, like you saw in the last one, the last Geraldo when he looked like a a beat up homeless yeah. crack addict. Yeah. That's what he's talking about. Now, this guy had left and he went to Miami for like a break from this whole life, this author. And he comes back and now it's this whole different thing. And, and So he, instead of looking like, like someone that was already on crack, you looked like someone that was on crack, but also beat up and homeless. 
And here's how I think of it. So, you know, if you're, I'm a guitar player, right? And, you know, that software I have, I, I yeah, play Rocksmith. F- songs from the 50s to 2000, what are we in, 20? Yeah. Literally songs up to the, t- today. So, so like, you I can see, you can see drums. from going from Motley Crue and Poison. Yeah, we're doing all these cool ecstasy drugs and all this stuff. Yeah, but then to I- go into um uh shit what's Not- Nirvana, <laughs> heroin, grunge, Alice in Chains. You know, that's the heroin age. That's the darker kind of like. You know what I'm saying? It, it, you can see it in music well, so well. Well, they like grunge it's, for a reason. It's like yeah. dirty and like... Music is very... Uh, like, music, um, in my opinion, is based... The, you know, the music, the pop music is based on society, like where we're at yeah. in society. Mm-hmm. And, and the ones that really stand out. So that's why Nirvana, you know, they didn't they didn't start the grunge area, the grunge era. The, we were already in it as a society you know, with the heroin and everything. They just were the first to make music with it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what it is. Like we we went to the a whole nother as a society, this depressing kind of heroin and just deep and dark kind of shit, you know, and, and we did. And you could see that in society. And that's what he's talking about. Speaking from experience, there are people who have too much space between their ears and given the time do nothing but free fall forever inside their heads. It's a spooky thing to be left alone inside an angry inner verse. Drugs redirect the fall. They cushion it. They give you a parachute or maybe just a flashlight in scuba gear. You don't know how you look in, at the inside of your head, what metaphor you choose. But for those of us with endless yawning stretches of interior and nothing but nothing to stop us from getting lost in it, drugs can be wonderfully helpful for a time see that's how i he's an amazing writer yeah he he is good this book is actually really real like that paragraph was like whoa i want to get lost in my brain but i want to be able to understand it at the same time like i don't want to be like hi and be like whoa like what are these crevices you know like i want to be able to understand (laughs) you know like what are these crevices i mean the brain is wrinkly what do you want all right did i sum up what this air is about i know i probably didn't but like the whole yes. club kids and everything. Yes. This is what the era was. I think it was very important to go right. into that. And it was because of Andy Warhol and all his geniusness. I think he sucked. So did this guy. I think up- all of that fucking art sucks. Okay. Go back to Leonardo da Vinci. That re- guy was fucking talented. Wait, 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 man. wait, wait, wait. I remembered the quote that I liked from him. It's called one's a party, two's a crowd and three's a One's a one's a party. Th- one's a something. Never mind. Okay. I don't remember. So, All right, let's let's get it. Let's talk about the murder. But first, I'm gonna tell you a little bit about Angel, and then I'm gonna tell you about how the Angel lost his wings, aka his legs, and then he was put into a box. What? He strutted around the clubs like he was God's own cousin, sporting a ridiculous pair of wings. Yes, wings. Dingy old white wings that were always knocking off my wig or spilling <gasps> my drink. Oh, he was such a nightmare. How rude. You can't bump 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 it. You can't bump into people. This is this is Angel right here, actually. Oh, he is Latino. Oh, look at his shoes. Those look like Lady Gaga shoes. Oh, look at those wings. He That's really him, was yeah. wearing wings. Oh my god. Look at these fucking ridiculous wings. That's Michael Alig. Yeah, he looks like he's been beat up. Okay, so Michael kills that Angel guy. Yeah, but like did they meet on this show? How did they meet at the okay, club? Okay, uh, yeah. So Angel was actually a drug dealer. Now, right. what I didn't go into is Freeze. Remember, Freeze was Michael's roommate. When you, when you, okay, can I be honest? When you said Freeze, it was his name. 
Like I thought of um psych. Oh, what's the guy from The Incredibles? Oh, I think of um Frozone, Batman, Mister oh, Fr- yes, Freeze. Freeze. Didn't Jamie Foxx play him? Arnold Schwarzenegger played him. That's what I said. <laughs> all right, all right. So Freeze, Freeze was actually a drug dealer at one point. Oh, but then oh, what so, happened? So Angel is impeding on his territory, aka his roommate. Kind of. Freeze was a drug dealer, but then what happened? We talked he sobered about it. Up. Fucking heroin, right? Right, heroin. Okay, he starts opposite doing of heroin. Up. He needed more drugs because yes. a, a club. Uh, he was he was making a lot of money as a drug dealer. Basically, he came in and filled a market because these kids are getting needed to get high. Right. So they're doing different drugs or dealing different drugs? Well, the ketamine, the ecstasy, the GHB, all this shit. This guy was providing it. So he'd walk into the club, which he was in cahoots with the club owner. Right. They let him in. He basically dealt his wares. So you know, to everyone, would, and he was getting a lot of money. So but more people would try turned, to get into the club so that they could buy the drugs. So that's why he was in cahoots with the club owner. No, but well, he's getting, club owners getting kicked back oh. with all the drugs. But anyway, that's what I said. And so he basically became a drug dealer to sell drugs to these club kids. Right. But free started getting on crack and heroin, and to be a club kid, as you read earlier. You have to spend six hours a day on your makeup and your costume and all this shit. If you're addicted to heroin, you can, you don't even want to do all that shit. No, that's going to take that's at least... That's the only way you can get into the club. Well, that's going to take at least three hours of your time is shooting so up heroin So if you're fucking strung out high. on heroin, if you're strung out on heroin, you don't do your makeup. You can't get into the club. So this angel guy with these wings... Okay, he steps in. Now, he's a new drug dealer. Okay, so now you can kind of see. Yeah. And Angel was kind of like the, um, he reminds me of the the Giovanni Giovanni Versace killer, uh, Andrew Cunanan. Yeah. Where no one really liked him. Okay. But, you know, they kind of used him. Yeah, for his drugs. For his drugs. Uh. And that's kind of what Angel was. Mm. No one really liked him. Everyone made fun of him, but they used him. And Michael... As a manipulator, because Angel looked up to Michael. I mean, because Michael at Lig, he's like the the king of club kids. He's started it. Right. I mean, he literally started the movie. He's going from club to club, like promoting. Exactly. But now Michael is strung out on fucking heroin, and he decides to steal like thousands of dollars from this drug dealer, this Angel guy, right? That's a good life decision. Yeah. There is a fight, an argument. Each one contends in turn that he is owed money. Michael, of course, has been robbing Angel blind for months, stealing his drugs, sipping into his profit margin. Everybody knows it. Angel knows it. But because Michael is his idol, he has chosen not to say anything. Until now. Okay, now here's what you have called a shift of power. Mm. Okay, Michael has been stealing from this guy who looks up to Michael because he's the creator of the club kids. But now you have this shift of power power where this guy named angel the drug dealer is you like you know what i don't think you're that fucking cool anymore he starts to get too big for his own britches yeah it's almost like a barometer like you like if i'm angel and i view michael as like a mentor it's like okay cool like he's he's getting his drugs from me like i'm gonna start to benefit from being associated with him and then he keeps dipping into my drugs and it's like wait a minute i'm not getting paid for this shit and then like he keeps dipping and it's like the barometer keeps rising and all of a sudden it's just gonna be like this this 
blow up. And it's like, you know what? F you, man. Like, you're not doing any of this shit. You're not promoting me. You're just promoting your clubs and you're stealing from me. But where's my benefit? And I'm starting to get PO'd. I can understand that. Actually, um, I think I was getting drugs from Angel, to be quite honest. And um, I remember Angel wasn't around and Michael had access to all of his drugs, you know, and then there was just this really strange air there. And I uh, walked in and Michael had a new couch, a new two new chairs to go with the couch, like an old antique couch with, you know, gold with lions on it with uh, with velvet, with red velvet and a new a brand new television, <laughs> one that I got later. And I said, oh, my God, where did you get all this stuff? I was like, shut up. Where'd you get all this stuff? Remember, Michael's broke now. Right. He was making a lot of money, but now he's on heroin. So where is he getting all this shit? Mm. Well, he stole it from Angel as a drug dealer. He stole all of his drugs and sold them. Mm. Now you see a motive for the murder. Right. All right. So now let's backtrack to when we first started. When Freeze walks in there, the ex-drug dealer sees Angel, which now you guys know the story. You can kind of see where we're picking back up. He's choking the shit out of Michael. Yeah. And then Freeze grabs the hammer. And here, you can read this. The dead man made a reluctant corpse. He seizes, he seizures, he tries to make it to the door. He looks to Michael for help. He looks to Michael for help. Even utters those words. He is confused, hurt. Does he know that it is about to end? Can he think clearly? Can he comprehend the enormity of what is about to happen? Or has his mind short-circuited with the last blow? Whoa. So, like... That's okay. a, he's a great writer, man. Yeah. So, like, Angel is choking Michael, and then Freeze walks in and is like, oh, shit, this guy's about to kill my roommate. And so he takes a hammer, starts to hit the guy in the head, and the guy doesn't die, but then Michael starts to kill the guy. No, he hits him in the head three times, and the guy's unconscious. Right. Angel's unconscious. Yeah, but he's not dead. He's not dead, no. And then Michael And then Michael trail. grabs a pillow... And then Freeze pulls him off, and then Freeze goes to his rooms like, fuck this, I ain't dealing with this shit. Right. And then he comes back, and Michael's pouring Drano in his mouth. Correct. And then duct tapes it. Got it. Angel is over. Angel is no more. If he lives, he will most likely be brain damaged or a vegetable. He may be paralyzed, comatose. Something is very wrong. Will somebody please pick the brains off the floor? <gasps> Ew. Something awful. Something irreparable has happened to him. Oh, my goodness. Now he is still alive, and he's crawling towards the floor. Blood is everywhere. Torrents of blood spilled into the hallway. A trail that starts in the living room pushes its way into the hall past the kitchen, almost to the door. He almost made it out the door, almost free, almost lived, but he was stopped. A third blow to the head or a pillow to the face, whatever. Then Michael goes and he grabs the Drano. Not only does he pour it into his mouth, but he also syringes it into his veins. Oh, shit. Because they were on heroin. He's obviously got heroin needles laying around everywhere. Find a vein and insert your needles. At the count of three, I want you to push into Angel's body the steaming, acidic mix of caustic lye and sodium silicates. Try not to look into his eyes and notice not the tears that flow down his cheeks. Never mind the terror and the pain and the confusion he feels. Look away from the betrayal and the death. Never mind the future. Never mind yourselves. This guy's a great writer, man. At this point, Michael calls back Freeze and is like, dude, what do you say when you you just kill someone with your friend? I don't know. What's the four words? Dude, I fucked up. The four words you say, no, with your friend. The four words they always say in the movies. We gotta hide the body. Kind of. Before that, we're in this 
together. Oh. Uh. <laughs> you hit him with a hammer. I may have shot him up with Drano and poured Drano in his mouth and duct tape his mouth and made did little some things with his penis, but we're in this together. I may have done some little things with his penis. <laughs> so they drag him to a field. Oh my God. The we dumpster. have done so many stories. How do you cut a up a garbage body? shoot? No, to cut up a body the kitchen. in your apartment. Where would you put the body? To, if the you want to cut, there you go. The bathtub. They drag him to the bathtub. Now, Michael looks at Freeze and says, Listen, you know, we got to cut this up because here's a box right here. You know, this Amazon package that came in. I have like four of those from the gift from the gift registry. It's big enough to fit a body. But that was a big box. Here's the thing. Like, um, you know, the legs don't really fold. So it'd be easier if we just cut the legs off and kind of lay it on top. You know, so. um, So here's the thing, Freeze. Like, dude, you know, since we're in this together, if you want me to. You know, you know, just cut the legs off or whatever and put it in this box. I will, you know, but I'm going to need, I'm going to need about nine bags of heroin. Oh, shit. So that was the trade-off. Freeze goes to Macy's, which now I'm wondering, every time I see someone in Macy's looking at the cutlery section, I'm going to think they're trying to cut up a body. Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) He goes to Macy's and gets like these three big ass knives and like a fucking uh, cleaver. A cleaver. He buys a cleaver at Macy's. Okay. And this is the, the guy walks into Macy's looking like a club kid, you know? Anyway, he comes back and the deal was if he gives Michael a lick, nine bags of heroin, he'd cut up the body and do the dirty deed. And he did. I definitely am not familiar with the dosage of heroin, but I'm pretty sure a bag of heroin is like way it more It should last than like, him a while. It takes a long time to cut off a, cut off a body. Yeah. But I mean, like, there's a lot of uh, muscle tendons and stuff that you got to get through. And the bone, I mean, you you basically got to break the bone. You, you know, Jen, how you, um, you take a chicken leg uh-uh. and you kind of just... And it pops. You break it, and it pops. I mean, you got to do that with I'm a human it body. Back and forth, back yeah, and forth, yeah, back and forth. That takes like yeah. at least seven minutes and, uh, for one. Like leg. the femur, Jen. Like to break that, you got to pretty much put all your manpower into that, and you got to push it back and forth a few times. This is why I will never. It eventually comes off, Jen. It comes off, but I'm saying it takes a while. Anyway, you can read this, Nicole, because they didn't exactly dispose of the body right away. He stashes the body in the bathtub to let the fluids drain. They go shopping, invite friends over. (gasps) Many friends. Never mind the stench. Pass me a straw. What the fuck? Don't mind the the smell. That's normal. There was actually... Okay, so that's like if if we (laughs) invited people over to our house right now, it's like Jen hasn't hasn't cleaned her bath. Don't mind the bathroom. Bathroom. There's feces everywhere in Jen's bathroom. not true but like that's the only thing i fucking think of <laughs> don't mind the smell what the fuck is wrong with these people oh i just got a body there was, hanging there, there was one all right so here's what they did there was one girl that came over and went into the bathroom and th- this is from the book this guy's in the bathroom the curtains pulled 
so you can't see him. Well, but yeah, like, his arm literally flops uh, over and it kind of pushes the curtain out. And the girl <laughs> says, quote, oh, my God, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were in here. And then she leaves. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, and then wow. what, what they did is they That's just like pushed. That's the most embarrassing thing, though. Like, you're in the bathroom. You forget to lock the door and someone walks in on you. It's like, ah! Oh, you're in a does that but you know at the same time it's like you don't want people to walk in on you but at the, also okay so so like, what, what, what they did was they, they pushed a mattress up against the door and told everyone not to go in there because they're having plumbing problems the body's been in the bathtub for nine days it Ew. smells like shit Ugh. worse than shit it smells like a decomposing body Right, I Nicole. can't imagine that smell. Like this no, is what... no amount of wallflowers or Febreze or anything can hide the stench of a of a decaying body. I'm sorry. This is what James St. James asked because Michael told him straight up. Was it hard to do? Did you have to hack at it? I asked. No, no, no. It was like cutting a chicken. The meat <gasps> just fell off and the bone snapped really easy. Oh, no! Then he showed me the ordinary kitchen knife he used. Oh. The bone, Jen, it snaps easy. And as you see there, it was just like cutting chicken. The meat just fell off. Oh. <laughs> the bone. No. Nicole, I love your chicken soup, but I'm not going to be making it anytime soon. No. He only cut you. the legs off. It's not that bad. He, I mean, because the arms kind of fold up. And then the meat just fell off. You you heard it. You know, it may just taste a little bit. I'd taste it. Just see what it no. tastes like. Uh-uh. You might as well. You're literally cutting someone's legs I off. I wouldn't want to eat nine-day-old <laughs> meat. Not raw. No, you got to cook that shit if you're going to eat it. And it's too de- decomposed. It's too many diseases. Yeah, nine days is gotta too long. got to be fresh. Long. Yeah. Here's how smart these guys are. Because no body, no crime, right? So here's what we're going to do. Totally. I cut the legs off. Let's put it in this box. It's it's like a big trunk, right? We put it in this box after we wrap it in a couple of garbage bags. And then we put it in this trunk and we'll take it down the apartment elevator, literally out the door. Okay. And then there was a cab waiting. Now the cab, you know, the guy, the cab driver actually helped put this trunk into his trunk. What? And literally, literally, literally. Stopped on the bridge because the guy was like, uh, J- uh, Michael Lig and Freeze was like, yeah, can you just stop here? Like in the middle on the bridge like in the New George York, Washington the, the, uh, uh, the one that uh, H- the Hudson River, Hudson, R- Hudson River Bridge. That's the GW, isn't it? The George Washington Bridge. He stops in the middle of the bridge and he's like, this is good right here. We'll just take her trunk and get out. The fuck? Literally, they're gonna toss it over the fucking bridge. Like, you don't get out in the middle of a George Washington Bridge. It's a fucking highway. Are you fucking high? Yeah, but the guy is like, fucking high. Yeah, they were on ketamine the whole time. The heroin, ketamine, and they're fucking high. Oh, K-holes, that's why I brought out okay. this K-hole thing. Yeah, go on. So they got out of the cab, and the cab driver's like, all right, see you later. I mean, he's from New York. You've probably seen it before. Now, they tossed the body in the of the trunk into the Hudson River. Now, here's the irony, because they get caught. It's not nobody, no crime when the body is floating down the river. The trunk was actually, the bottom was lined with cork. And what does corks do? Floats. Corks float. Here's the irony. Angel was floating down the river. Angels float? No? Okay. Uh, they, fly. <laughs> they fly. yeah. Whatever. Fuck. Okay. And that's how that story ended. Now, he actually was about to leave. He was going to go to Germany. 
Yeah. But and because the talk of the town is like, where's Angel? He's a drug dealer of everyone. Everyone wants their drugs. He ain't here. He was last with Michael. Maybe Michael killed him. All these rumors started flying. Michael was going to flee to Germany and he had his whole thing planned out. But you know what? Just like I said to Andy Warhol, the vanity, he kind of liked it. He liked the mm. attention. He, he liked the rumors. And if he would have just left, he would have been fine. But he stayed and he was arested. Okay. And he's. Because spent... the police knew right away. Like, oh, yeah. And well, he w- they wouldn't have got charged, but, you know, you're reading from Freeze's. He basically confessed within like two hours. Like it was, you know. About five to seven days later, Michael and I decided we had to do something about this terrible mess. It was decided that I would go get go to get knives or something to help dispose of the boy. I went to Macy's and bought three large knives, two chef knives and one cleaver. When I got back, Michael told me for that I gave him 10 bags of heroin. He would take care of this part. So I did. And he went into the bathroom alone and cut off both angels legs. Then we put each leg into plastic bags and then a duffel bag and separately carried them one at a time to the river and threw them in. Michael put the remainder of the body into a large plastic garbage bag. I got another bag and put it over the first one. After the second bag, I think I taped it closed. We then put the whole bundle into a large box. The smell was so unbearable that I had to put baking soda to absorb, hopefully, some of the odor. Yeah, so that's it. So he's out of prison. So what was he sentenced to? Well, he got, um, so he did, within hours, Freeze confessed to the murders you just read. Michael pleaded guilty to manslaughter and was charged 10 to 20 years. Hmm. He is out of prison right now. Hmm. Um, He did try to make a comeback, and it didn't happen. I mean, the fad fad is over. Now, I do want to say what I didn't bring up because we didn't have time. He did call his mother right after he killed the uh, right after he killed Angel. I was just jerked out of my sleep. How you are? You it just your heart starts pounding, and I heard Michael's voice, but yet it wasn't Michael's voice. He was absolutely making no sense. By that I mean he was not just talking; he was blubbering, and he kept saying murdered i committed a murder and it was angel and we didn't know what to do and little tiny pieces and have to get rid of it mom what do i do what do i do you know that was it, I, I couldn't put it together what yeah so he called I'm his so mom confused by her statement like well he also gave he, he also invited his mom before this happened to New York and she did a bunch of ecstasy with him. I didn't get into that. But yeah, so that's basically the story. What do you guys think? Well, you probably like should have called the police or something. I think it's weird that the mom did nothing with that. Yeah, right? Oh, the mom. It was his voice, but it wasn't his voice. So she obviously didn't know if it was him or not. So, I mean, she's probably like, oh, this is my son in a K-hole. You know, I've been in K holes. Maybe. And A holes. Uh. <laughs> Which means assholes, Jen. Does it? I didn't know. 
right, Savannah, thank you so much for this recommendation. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our celebrity time, go to talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talkos Primo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time. Good night, club kids.